The Tablet Show, Episode 21, with guest Nick Landry. Recorded live Friday, February 17th, 2012. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Nick Landry about using location data in mobile development. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Hey, guess what? It's The Tablet Show. Yes, Carl it Franklin, is. Richard Campbell. How are you, man? I'm great. AcousticAddicts.com, my acoustic guitar show. Uh, congratulations. That's a really awesome video. I love the analysis of the different guitars. If you're a guitar lover, you don't even have to be a player and a geek. Check out AcousticAddicts.com. You'll like it. That's all I got to say. We're done. Let's get into uh, Better Know Framework. All right. <laughs> Well, where are we going in WinRT land today? We are going to the Windows.application model namespace, hmm. and particularly to the design mode property that detects authoring in design mode in a visual designer. Nice. So there's other stuff in here, of course. There's a suspending operation, which is information about an app suspending. And then uh, there's an argument for that in a deferral object to manage the delay a delayed app suspending operation. So, you know, that's that kind of stuff. It's the core system functionality and runtime information about its app package. And there's also a package property that uh, provides info about an application package. Nice. Yeah. Windows.applicationmodel. Know it, learn it, love it. So, Richard, who's talking to us? Grabbed an email from Rob Blackmore, regular writer to the show. I think this will be his first tablet show mug. Uh, and he writes, uh, hi guys, really enjoying the tablet show and just back from a Windows Phone 7 boot camp yesterday in which Nokia announced a UK program to give away Lumias to anyone who has an app in the app store within 30 days. And let me know if you want more details to include in the podcast for fellow UKers. Awesome. I think that's enough, Rob. Thanks very much for that, actually. It's great. Uh, however, the one question that needs to be addressed, I feel, and has not been so far is the new programming language pecking order. Mm-hmm. Before it seemed to be C sharp and then Visual Basic, because I'm a VB guy myself. But now we have four languages in the WinRT plus Objective C and Android Java. I forget the proper name. It's an issue that needs to be resolved, and I expect the C sharp guys are not going to be happy with the results. Time regards, Rob Blackmore. Hmm. But do we really need a pecking order, though? Do we really? Is that isn't that the whole point? I mean, yeah. And then and the real thing I would say is I think the C plus plus guys are going to blindside us all. But that's just me. Apparently, I'm the only guy who thinks that way. But <laughs> since I get to pick the shows for this, I'm going to encourage that mindset because we've got a great C++ show coming up on the Tablet Show in a couple of weeks. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Rob, always a great email, man. You make me think, and I appreciate your thoughts. So a tablet mug to you. And if you'd like one, write us an email, rocks at franklins.net. And with that, let's introduce Nick Landry. Uh, he's been on the show several times before. Right now, he is a senior product manager for Infragistics, the world leader in user interface development tools for .NET, the web, and mobile devices. Nick is at the helm of Infragistics mobile and data visualization developer tools across multiple technologies and platforms. 
He previously spent 16 years in IT consulting and services across various technical and business roles, working with some of the world's top brands. He's a frequent speaker at major development conferences worldwide and an eight-year Microsoft MVP awarded on Windows Phone development. With 20 years of professional experience, Nick is also a trainer, writer, and blogger, and specializes in enterprise mobility, location intelligence and mapping, touch computing and NUI, and game development with XNA. Welcome back, Nick. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. And I say you've been on the show before. You've not been on this show before, but uh, our sister show, .NET Rocks, of course. You've been on there many times. Yeah, you have a habit of inviting me early in the show. One of the most honest mobile guys I could think of, actually, because you were a mobile guy before Phone 7, before things got better. Better. Yeah. You, I, yeah. you survived the dark times. Yeah. Yeah, I was in mobile before it was cool to be in mobile. <laughs> <laughs> you were in mobile when they were throwing things at you. Yeah, totally. Calling you names. Uh, so what what are you doing now these days that uh, that is uh, tablet or mobile related? Well, actually, these days things have changed a lot. It's a whole new adventure for me. Um, as you read just there in my bio, I'm uh, I basically spent the last sixteen years doing services, so yeah. consulting, being at the mercy of customers, and uh, basically following their every whim. And uh, now I get to design cool products. And follow customers every whim and <laughs> yeah pretty much pretty much yeah, now the same i have to thing. follow the community yeah so that's always a lot of fun but yeah i uh, i landed a, a month ago at infragistics uh which is very conveniently located very close to my house nice and um it's it's great i'm i'm basically working on the mobile products here and also data visualization which includes all of our mapping products as well so i'm really excited with my new role so were you at build Unfortunately, I was not a build. No, that was one of the things I was still in my old job back then. Uh, last few years, I had to cut back a lot on speaking at conferences and doing community stuff. And I kept apologizing to Microsoft saying, sorry, guys, my job isn't getting in the way. So I got a new job. Yeah. Okay. And uh, let, let's talk about your experiences with Windows 8 and uh, Windows Phone. Okay, well, Windows 8, my experience has been a bit uh, limited so far because I was not one of the uh, lucky few or lucky thousands, basically, that were built that got the uh, the tablet device. Right. And even though I've seen it from afar, we have some people here at Progistics, of course, that were there, so I've had a chance to play with it a bit. Um, back in September, when the bits were released, I essentially uh, downloaded everything, and then I scrambled around and think, I thought, like, okay, what computer can I install this on? Yeah. So I tried it on my little uh, netbook, and, um, yeah, it was interesting because I liked the experience overall, but unfortunately the network didn't have like a full resolution. It was something like 1024 by 600. And they had told us that unless you have at least something like 800 high or 768 high, uh, Metro apps are not going to work. Huh. Right. That's the minimum resolution, which is 1024 by 768. Yeah. It's an, it's an interesting limitation. I'm hopefully the, the later versions that coming into RTM will overcome that a bit. Yeah, definitely. So, Nick, you've been doing mobile forever, and mobile is particularly in the enterprise. Uh, is WinPhone 7 actually ready for the enterprise? Because, you know, when I put on my IT hat and I look at it from an exchange perspective, there's still functionality in mobile 6.5 that isn't in 7. Yeah, that's correct. And um, I would say, to answer your question, the answer is yes and no. Um, <laughs> no, in the pure... <laughs> 
Well, I mean, no in the pure sense, because for the same reason, people were asking, is iPhone ready for the enterprise? Right. And Apple kept saying, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And even though the, the IT hardcore security guys were saying, no, it's not, um, the users proved them wrong because when they just started bringing their phones to work every day, right. they started using their iPhones and connecting them to exchange and using it anyways. So in that sense, it used to be that IT would dictate what phone you were going to use. Hey, this yeah. is your BlackBerry from now on. Um, whereas now users are pretty much saying, hey, I want to use this and you're going to have to support me. So in that sense, Windows Phone is ready, of course. But there's definitely facilities missing. Because people are simply bringing it into the enterprise whether you wanted to or not. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the big thing, again, I'm wearing my IT hat here, is there's no way for me to remotely manage that phone. It's not joined to the domain. I can't push and pull apps from it. I can't do all the things that I used to do in Mobile 6.5. Not everything, no. I mean, there are facilities with Exchange. So if your phone is connected to Exchange, um, you have the ability to control, for example, uh, set a policy to make sure that you need to have a pin on your phone. Right. So that was one thing for a while. I started using the Windows phone in the beta version back in 2010, uh, back when I was in Fusion. And over there, I was connecting to the Exchange server just fine. And then one day, uh, my phone tells me, hey, by the way, uh, if you want to keep syncing with Exchange, you're going to have to set up a pin on your phone. Nice. And that's because they set a policy on the server. So there are some facilities like this that kind of help, and you can do a remote kill to wipe the data and things like that. But some of the other features that are needed in Enterprise, of course, are things like uh, making sure that you can have internal deployment of apps uh, within the DMZ just for corporate use and not deployed openly in the in the marketplace. And that's something that, uh, based on the rumors, is coming. But uh, there's no details that have been revealed about this. Yeah. And I know it's not your job today, but I think folks really haven't got their head around the potential of the whole geolocation on the phone from an enterprise perspective. Like phones move around. What, what did, can you talk about some of the projects that you worked on, uh, in terms of enterprises taking advantage of geolocation in their phones? Well, yeah. So geolocation is, it's just a big fancy word to basically mean mapping. So in every day, I just talk about maps. Um, of course, geolocation is more than just mapping because there's a lot of server side, uh, services that get, uh, that go hand in hand with it. So mm -hmm. when we talk in general, the, the term that's widely accepted is location intelligence because it's, it's basically BI with a geospatial component attached right, to it. Right. So if your data has an address attached to it, or if any form of your data is attached to a company, that company has an address, or it's got offices, or these people have an address. So data usually will have some way, shape, or form location attached to it, which means that data belongs on a map, not in a report. All right. And, and are we always talking about GPS here, or are there other ways to locate phones? Well, the, we... GPS is just one way of doing it. Mm -hmm. You basically have uh, location services. That's what we call it usually in phones. iPhone was the first to introduce the, the multiple location services aggregated together using an object model. Uh, because in the past, we basically would have to build our own hacks or use uh, proprietary SDKs for the GPS devices. Usually, G location services is comes in three forms. There's the traditional GPS, which means you need to have a, a line of sight with a satellite. So you need to be outdoors. And then you're going to have the assisted GPS or AGPS, which refers to cell tower triangulation. It's, it's not as accurate, but it's much faster. So whenever right. you, you launch your, your Windows phone or your iPhone or your any device or Android and you start looking for your location, um, typically you're going to have this big wide circle that starts showing you, hey, we think you're around here. That's usually based on the cell tower triangulation. And then they, they can start measuring that a little closer and closer. And then the moment it becomes super precise, that's because you got that GPS lock. Right. 
GPS is always the best way to, to pinpoint you within a few feet of exactly where you are. But developers don't have to deal with this because all these phones are providing us with uh, location services that will uh, basically allow you to work with either a low resolution or a high resolution on your location services. So what are some of the killer apps that geolocation finds itself uh, in, in the enterprise? Well, the, unfortunately, it's not always like super sexy. Um, back when I was in Infusion, my, my bread and butter, because just to give it a little bit of background here, for, for three years, I was heading a team at Infusion where um, it was a, a geospatial, basically, mapping team. And that team was essentially just write map-based solutions with, in this case, big maps uh, all year long. Um, yeah. The bread and butter of that team, of course, was not uh, really exciting. It was uh, building locators. So that means you go to a company like uh, Best Western or UPS or uh, H&R Block and you say, hey, I'm looking for one of your locations or a Dropbox or an office. Um, so here's my zip code. Here's my address. Show me the nearest locations. What people don't understand is that whenever they use uh, Bing Maps or Google Maps for this, what they're basically hitting is the, um, the public database of locations, which doesn't get updated that often, gets obsolete pretty fast, um, and it's not super precise. A lot of these companies, they can literally have locations open and closed on a daily basis. So wow. they update their own database of locations uh, every day or every week. And so their locators are usually the best place to, to find where they are and also to find additional information like what are their service hours? What are the services offered there? What languages do they speak at this location? Or can I book an appointment directly uh, online from the website if I'm going to meet, for example, if I'm doing my taxes? There's also certain businesses that are um, that have more advanced business rules in helping people locate their offices. For example, one of my former clients was uh, H&R Block. And uh, H&R Block has, of course, a very seasonal business where over 90% of their locations are only open during tax season. Right. The rest of the year, the number of locations just shrinks down dramatically to the official locations. Because uh, during tax season, they've got these temporary locations that just set up shop to be able to service everything, everybody doing their, their taxes. So they, these business rules came into play. It sounds like those are consumer pointing services that, you know, you typically access through a phone or through a, through a web browser or a tablet or something. But it, within the enterprise itself, do you find there are applications for, for geolocation for, you know, the, the people that are doing businesses? Uh, is it all about being on the road and finding stuff, or are there applications within the business that we can use? Yeah, so the moment you start going into a BI, internal BI with a geospatial component, you're basically going to start talking about, for example, a mobile workforce. So if you want to be able to track your people internally, so that's one scenario. And then the other side, of course, is anybody that wants to have the pulse of their business. We all know there are these like sales dashboards and, and manager dashboards that allow them to see what are the sales across my offices and what are the, uh, which offices are performing better than others and which segments of the company are doing well, which are deficient. So this can come traditionally in the form of reports, but nowadays the, the, the strong companies in BI and that, that are basically using BI a lot, they're basically building these dashboards. And usually these dashboards are just going to be used by a few users in a company. It's not necessarily an application that's going to be used by thousands and thousands of people, but they're going to be used by some of the very top people in a company because that's how they stay on top of their business. Yeah, sure. And the really smart ones are actually moving some of those dashboards directly on a map. So you can see a visual map of your territory. It's like you're rolling over your empire mm. and you've got your map right there and it's showing you where are you doing well, where are you not doing well. And you can go either with 
data that's a day old or a week old, or the strong ones will, of course, have live streams of data coming in and showing in real time where is the cash flow, where is the performance. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But that's not necessarily mobile either, right? I mean, this is classic geo data, you know, taking advantage of it from a business intelligence perspective, which I love. I think it's great stuff. But well, so that, that opens a, a very good question. So because you say that's not necessarily mobile. The thing is, you mobile doesn't exist in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Mo- mobile exists as part of the enterprise. And that's what I've been saying for 10 years, basically. Mobile is just another client for the enterprise. People are used to mobile because they're thinking, hey, I just downloaded Angry Birds from the app store, or I downloaded uh, Carbon as my Twitter client, you know, and, and this is what I'm using now. And this is, these are consumer apps. But for the enterprise, the mobile piece is just one tiny piece of the puzzle. And in the end, it's just going to be another client that talks to the same backend services, Yeah. which is why there's a big difference between mobility and enterprise mobility. Because if you do enterprise mobility, you have to understand the server. Mm-hmm. You have to understand uh, OLAP and, and SQL Server and databases and BI and remote communications, for example, over WCF and making sure that you can have online and offline data and synchronization and caching. So this is where the enterprise component kicks in because if if there's a service that ends up being on the desktop or on a laptop or a tablet, it's also going to end up on the phone sooner or later. And a good experience is making sure that you understand what makes sense on the desktop, whereas what makes sense on the phone. Yeah. So if all you do is basically trying to cram your desktop app into a phone, you fail from day one. Right. But I mean, I just like the idea of the workers out in the field uh, being able to take advantage of geo data to uh, you know, look at the stuff that matters, to know where things are and and be able to go back and say, you know, where did my people go? What did they I just I, I love that fleet effect of here's all the trucks moving or here's all my people out in the field and I know where they are and roughly what they're doing and they're feeding points of data back to a central repository. Yeah, and that's an essential part. And a lot of these companies, of course, like the UPS and the FedExes of the world, of course, they've had these fleet management software for a while. Um, but there's, there's a lot of companies that have people in the world that are not necessarily centered around a mobile workforce, right. but they have to deal with them anyways. And there's, there's a third component here between it's not just about finding where people are or knowing how your empire is doing, basically. It's also for the people in the field to know where they're, what they're doing compared to each other. Right. So, for example, um, about five years ago, um, I worked for a, we had a client in the pharmaceuticals, and they basically had over 12,000 salespeople in the field. Wow. Mm. So, that's a lot of people. Yeah. And these people, what they do, well, they, of course, they talk about drugs. And they, they, they have to go meet with the, what they call the prescribers. So the people, the various like doctors and physicians that work in hospitals and clinics and are on offices and or in labs. And they basically have to go meet with them, make sure that they're aware of the products that are available from that drug company, uh, giving them like the brochures and the information, uh, giving them a quick, a quick pitch. And of course, a very hard business to manage in terms of a schedule. Last time you took a doctor's appointment, uh, let me know the last time that a doctor was actually meeting you at the time that you had the appointment for. This portion of the Tablet Show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. 
From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems, all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting the tablet show. So really what this is all about is is uh, hooking up uh, data about people to where they are. And, you know, not, I don't know about you, but I think, I think nine times out of 10, when you're talking about the enterprise, just a simple text or a phone number, you know, where are you? A phone call, where are you? Are you going to be late? You know, that's, that's where my mind goes. And the other, the other cynical Carl is thinking, ah, I can see, you know, Mark Miller in his, stainless steel room with his villain chair you know on a big map and he's <laughs> he's looking at a dot and every dot represents a customer and he knows where they're going and he knows what they're doing you know that kind of stuff but i'm just trying to stir up some hate and discontent don't mind me no that's good <laughs> that, that works i mean the, the vision from the richard point of view is great but i mean text and email of course is is like sending a fax i mean it's it's an archaic way of dealing with, with people on the road. Um, for example, those same salespeople working for the pharma, if they go meet a doctor, they're each, usually each pharma rep would basically push one specific product. It's kind of like, uh, you know, if you deal with Microsoft people, you, you deal with the SQL Server guy and you deal with the, 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 the office people and the, the business intelligence people. So they're basically all there to push their own products. Right. So it's right. the same thing in the pharma where, if a doctor, for example, is meeting someone from a pharma company A, and then uh, later that week, um, I'm a, a rep for that same company, and then I try to get an appointment with that doctor, but I'm going to try to push, of course, for a different product, um, I need to know who from my company has met with that doctor recently. I need sure. to see the history. Because otherwise, that doctor doesn't see the difference between, oh, you're drug A and he's drug B, but you're all the same company in the end. So they they're going to feel like they're being pestered by the same company constantly. And ideally they would just have to meet one rep. That's going to push all the products to them. That's going to make things easier. Yeah. But mm. Even then they've got a hard time giving them any time of day because they're always going to be late. They have to wait for them in the corridors when they're out between patients They say, Hey, you have five minutes. Can I talk to you? Right. I just want to show you something quick. And then the moment he said, okay, I got five minutes. Show me. And then the guy takes out a laptop and he starts booting the laptop. So one second, it's going to be done booting. I'll show you. It's really cool. Yeah. So we got these numbers. They're great. It's like, oh, wait a minute, um, my drives are defragmenting right now. Oh, it's like, it's it's an old way of doing things. So if they can have like a tablet or if they can have a phone where they can quickly show things. And then if he says, this is really good, um, can you send me some info on that? And then boom, push up one button and the PDF is in that doctor's inbox. Nice. And they can send the information. So it's all automated. And then while they're waiting, they, they move on to the next hospital, the next office. And then while they're waiting for that next doctor, they go on their phone in the waiting room or standing up, and then they'll start adding their notes from the previous meeting directly on their phone. So it goes into their CRM so that from now on, everybody else in the area will know, hey, I met with that doctor. This is what I talked about. This is a product we push. This is the kind of response I got and things like that. And that immediate capture is so important. Exactly. But the thing is, you don't, you also need to think about, you're not going to be doing massive capture. So it has to be an application that's built specifically for that business. And that's where off the shelf product or off the marketplace product simply cannot work. It has to be designed for the enterprise. 
But the moment it's designed specifically for your business, then the first question is going to be, so, well, is it secure? How do we provision it? And these are all the other considerations that you have to start to look into well, beyond uh, does it support email and calendars. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing. It's just being able to manage that in the, in the large scale. It's a lot of apps you've got to push out. Exactly. Can you actually take advantage of location data in a meaningful way using HTML5? Like, I just like the idea of not having to push the app at all to just say you hit the internal website and go through the security procedures and you get all those same features. Do you, can you still do map stuff? Yeah, you can because the, the browsers and all of our phones now are geospatial aware, so mm-hmm. location aware browsers. So you have the hooks, so you can basically expose the location services to the browser. But the same then, way. So you will be able to take advantage of your GPS, but it becomes the same age-old question. The moment you start building a new app, are you going web or are you going smart client? And uh, web, of course, you need to be connected. Yeah, the connectivity has to work. And it, you know, now you get in the real issue with location data, which is the moment I walk into that building, it's broken. Mm. Exactly. You, you, now it becomes imprecise because it's relying on cell tower triangulation instead of GPS. Right. Uh, also, you could be in the middle of a hospital, like way deep, and, and hospitals are like a big Faraday cage. You know, sure. Nothing is <laughs> going to get through there. It's true. So your signal is gone. I was going to say exactly that. You, you think you've got cell signal inside there? No way. Hey, half the time they don't want you to have cell phones at all. That's right. Yeah, it makes me it makes me laugh when they see like the coverage, like three G and four G coverage over the last few years, and all over the country, where you would think like, hey, New York City is a big city, it's a corporate center of America, and everything, and you've got all the services there, and all the, the you've got good signal everywhere. But the, the moment you walk into an elevator, you're gone. That's it. You've lost it. And the number yeah. of times I've walked into an elevator in New York City, and you hear someone on the phone going, "Oh, I just got into an elevator. I'm going to lose you." So yep. you hear that all the time. Yeah, it's the same thing for your data. Well, and and the big thing is watching it recover. When you get all the way to no signal, and then you you know fire up an app that's location dependent, most apps do not deal with that failed connectivity well. Like they just unravel. Yeah, exactly. And that's where a smart developer can actually circumvent some of those things. So, for example, if this is an app that people are going to use all day long, uh, you can start tracking people based on where they are right now. You can try to remember. Where the, uh, where the user was so that you, you cache it to the background. So the chances are if five minutes later they lose the signal, it can't be that far from there. So if it's just about showing them who are the other uh, doctors in the area, because that was a classic scenario, for example, they would show up at, at, um, hospital or doctor's office and then they'd be like, uh, try to meet that doctor and they're like, oh, he's not in today or he's too busy or he went to surgery. He's not available to meet you. They would blow them off like all the time. Mm-hmm. So now that guy is there. It's on the, he's on the premises. He doesn't want to waste his time, his or her time. So what the first thing they're going to do is whip out their phone and then they're going to see, okay, which other physicians are in this facility here at this hospital that I can meet with that nobody's met with recently. Right. And then you need to look that up. So you need to have access to your data, to your database, to your customers. And then you need to know, for example, also, um, a lot of doctors will work at different hospitals also, or different clinics. So they'll mm-hmm. have their own office, but on Wednesdays and Fridays, they're at that hospital. So they, you need to be able to track all of these things. So it's in there and you have these business rules that tell you, well, this doctor is based here, but on Wednesdays, he's not here. So don't even bother. Mm. So developers can start putting these things in there and then making sure that you have location services when you need them. It's also a matter of you can have, for example, a Windows phone, you can have a background agent that's just going to do just a little ping on the location services and maybe cache the info in the app so that if the moment they start the app, the, the user is basically offline from a signal point of view, well, the agent at least recorded where they were, I don't know, 15 minutes ago. So chances are you're not too far from 
where you were 15 minutes ago, and then you can still get an idea of the area where you are and who's nearby and which customers and all that. Yeah, and I could see how you'd want not only the list of doctors that are going to be at that hospital that day, but doctor's offices that are a block around. Like, do you just walk over there and still get value out of that trip? Exactly, yeah. So it's all about productivity. Mm-hmm. It's funny because when when uh, Bill Gates started, if you remember, uh, the, with the first model with Microsoft, it was always like a PC on every desk and in every home. Right. And they quickly changed their mind because it became... It became obvious. That's what I've been telling people for 10 years. It became obvious that everybody's got to have a piece on every desk and in every home. They've realized this since the 90s. But after that, it was a matter of how do we fill the gaps in between. We're still struggling, basically, to fill those gaps because um, we, we cover the app market very well in terms of little apps like uh, that cost a dollar or five or something like that. But when it comes to the enterprise, that's still where there's a big deficiency because all these companies that basically specialize on mobile development today that basically cornered the market by saying like, hey, yeah, we're going to build your apps for like 50 bucks an hour. Um, you start asking them, like, can you deal with the enterprise? Can you talk to the server? Do you understand BizTalk and SQL Server and BI? And they don't. Yeah. Interesting problem. Hey, tell me, is there much difference between using Bing Maps versus Google Maps versus some other GIS source? You had to open a can of worms, huh? So- uh, uh, <laughs> hey, let's, let's talk about the hard stuff, man. That's what it's all I about. I want to talk about the hard stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've heard this one before because I was basically, my last three years were, were mostly in a, actually a sales and practice management role. So it was all about comparing technologies and everything. And the whole Google versus Bing argument, mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, from my perspective, what I can tell you is, uh, remember uh, about four years ago or so, three or four years ago, uh, when uh, Steve Ballmer challenged the MVPs at a summit and he said, I want you to use Bing yeah. for two weeks and then send me your feedback and tell me how you love it that's and you see it's great. And, yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's not bad, man. I was in that room. I was. Exactly. I hope he doesn't listen to and the I, show. I, I think Rory stood up and said, hey, do you listen to .NET Rocks or something? And he's like, what? Yeah. Who? <laughs> what? Well, we'll know for sure when Nick doesn't get renewed for his MVP. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... Um, anyways, but I took him on the challenge, basically. I didn't write him any feedback, but, um, I took him on a challenge and I did make the switch to Bing and, um, I haven't looked back, honestly. So, and then six months later, I started, uh, my new role back then at Infusion where I was working with the mapping team. Right. So then it became even more important for me to be in constant in the Bing world. So then I, I also wasn't using Google Maps anymore. So Bing and Bing Maps have been part of my world for, uh, almost four years, actually three, three and a half years now. And it's just, it's like any change in life. You know, the way I compare it is like in 2000, I used to drink coffee with sugar. And then one day I decided, you know what, this is not good for me. I got to cut the sugar. So I overnight cold turkey, I decided to start drinking my coffee without sugar. That next morning, of course, I hated my coffee. It was, it was bitter. It didn't taste great. And then Two weeks later, I was used to it, and there's no turning back. Now, every time I accidentally drink coffee with sugar, I just cringe because I just can't stand it. Mm. It's the same thing. People that are used to Google or Google Maps today, they're told, hey, try Bing. They'll try it once. It's different. People don't like change, and then they go back. Hasn't Google been in the news recently for um, or people are sort of rejecting it as a search engine because it's, you know, the first two pages are filled up with you know, paid advertisements and Bing is actually giving you a, a better search experience? Well, they are. I can tell you that because uh, the, the problem with Google now on top of that is that they're sprinkling your results with your social results. 
So if you're on uh. Google Plus or if you're active on different things, now they're going to start basically showing you results that fill that basically fit the bubble of your world. Yeah. But sometimes you want to search outside the box. You want to find information outside of your circles. Well, that's the whole idea, isn't it? I mean, I don't want to search what I already know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what about the map components just from a programmability point of view? Is it basically the same process? Is the map data all that different? I mean, the world's the world, right? Yeah, the world's the world. Of course, you have to understand the business of mapping providers uh, to understand these maps. So historically speaking, there were basically all the data in the world around maps was owned by two companies. You had uh, Navtech and you had Teleatlas. Right. And there was, a, there was a lot of acquisitions, people bidding, people buying and everything, licensing agreements. And uh, so Microsoft has been using Navtech for years. Um, Google was originally using Teleatlas. Then they had this big licensing agreement with Teleatlas. Uh, Teleatlas was purchased by TomTom. And then a year later, Google decided to... I don't know if they killed their agreement with Teleatlas, but they basically stopped using it. They said, no, we're going to build our own data from our community gathering data and everything and our trucks that roam the streets. So basically, Google's managing their own thing now. Right. And um, Navtech was later acquired by Nokia. Mm -hmm. So that's why Nokia Maps is nothing more than the Navtech data. Plus, of course, their enhancements and everything. So Microsoft and so when people say like the whole like incestuous relationship between Microsoft and Nokia and Elip moving over and then switching gears to Windows Phone, there was already a very strong relationship between Microsoft and Nokia because it's win-win. Nokia is using Microsoft's Windows Phone platform for their hardware, right? But Microsoft is using Nokia Maps for all of their location services. So there's a lot of cross-licensing agreements between the two. And, and I'm just speaking, of course, from a um, like observation as an outsider. I don't have any exclusive information in that area. But it, it only makes sense because these companies both have to benefit from each other. And in terms of the quality of the service, you're always going to find one country where Google is better, another country where Bing Maps is better, and uh, it, it's different. And in the end, working with those services... It's you're basically calling REST services on the server to get the maps to use right. the, the geocoding and the various uh, location and routing services. And after that, you pull that data down, you use it in your apps, and, and you start showing the, the results on your maps. Um, my experience, though, is that for the enterprise, they will get a much better experience with big maps than with Google Maps. Hmm. Interesting. For the very simple reason that, as you know, the enterprise needs support. It's, it's not just about the features. It's not just about the data. It's about the quality of that support. Microsoft understands enterprise support. Google is still trying to figure out how to support the enterprise. So, what are you looking forward to doing with uh, with the new technology? Are you do you, are you planning on getting into iOS and Android programming? Are you sticking totally to uh, Windows eight and tablet and Windows Phone? Um, or are you going to branch out? Personally, myself as a developer, um, I don't have a lot of interest in, in learning how to write code for an iOS. Yeah. Um, what some people actually uh, know, it was not like really big public knowledge, is that even though I've been a Microsoft mobile dev MVP for eight years, first on Windows mobile development, device application, and now Windows phone, um, for two and a half years, my primary phone was an iPhone. Right. So from, from 2008 to 2010, uh, I was using an iPhone every day, and I loved the device. It was great because I, I, I told myself, basically, I need to be um, open to other technologies. And actually, there's a funny story behind this. Uh, it was basically back in 2006, 2007 that 
my brother-in-law and I kept talking tech and everything. He also works in IT, but he's a big Mac guy. So he's always showing me the Mac stuff. So, of course, in 2007, it was iPhone this, iPhone that. I kept hearing about the iPhone every single day. Right. So he was showing me apps once the App Store came out. And then I was trying to impress him with my, my Windows Mobile 6. And <laughs> it was getting harder and harder every day to, to find impressive stuff to show him. Um, up until one day, I was at PDC in 2008. And uh, I went to the PDC store, and then I bought one of those, like, I'm a PC t-shirts. Right. So I came home, and then I said, hey, here you go, happy birthday. Uh, and I gave him the t-shirt, and uh, he looked at it. And, of course, it was a jab because, you know, I'm a PC. It's branded Microsoft and everything. Yeah, He's right. a huge Mac fanboy. So then a month later for Christmas, uh, he gives me a box with an iPhone in it, and he says, Merry Christmas. Ah. And I'm like, oh, you bastard. Ah. <laughs> So basically, Here, my, try my this. Adventure, <laughs> yeah, my adventure with an iPhone was basically started from like a, a family feud between Microsoft and Apple, and this was a retaliation against the Microsoft T-shirt. But uh, I started using it, and then the more I was using it, the more I was loving it, and the more I was loving it, the more I hated that I loved it. And, uh, yeah. but in the end, I had to recognize, you know what? This is a great phone. The app model works. It's, there, don't get me wrong. There were a lot of frustrations with the iPhone as well. There still are. And, uh, oh, and there still are. Yeah, of course. I mean, but we have to recognize that we would not have Windows Phone today if it was not for the iPhone. Yeah, that's true. Totally groundbreaking. It's, it was a complete response to that. Uh, I'm not going to go into the specifics, but of course, it, being an MVP with that team, I've heard about the plans originally for Windows Mobile and things where Windows Mobile was going. And I can tell you that people say that Microsoft doesn't listen. Trust me, they listen because they were pretty far along in their plans when they eventually decided to scrap everything and reboot the whole strategy. Yeah, it's true. They did not just say, oh, let's talk about what we can do after Windows Mobile 6.5. No, no, there was a lot of stuff already built after that. But they decided, no, this is not it. Uh, we told them this was not it. They got feedback from elsewhere. It was, mm. was not it. Mm-hmm. And even internally, there were people that were saying, this is not it. And they decided to, to find, well, let's see what, what it is, you know. And then, then came Metro, and then came that, that great team that uh, brought us the Windows Phone, and, and the rest is history. Yeah, sure is, man. So that's for you personally. What about in your... Uh, in your job, are you going to be investigating? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, right now, I mean, I, I'm walking around with a ton of devices all the time. So my primary phone is a Windows phone. I got my Windows 7 uh, laptop, but everywhere I go, I always carry my iPad and my Android tablet with me. Yeah. So I'm exploring a lot of different technologies. Uh, today, we are uh, mostly a .NET company where most of our controls are for .NET developers. We also have some awesome web controls. And we, we have jQuery, of course, that works across the board. And uh, when it comes to mobile development, well, Microsoft is not the dominating force, force there. So, uh, yes, we are looking at other platforms. And, uh, yes, we'll have some cool announcements this year. That's all I can tell you for now. Well, great. And, uh, thank, you know, Nick, it's kind of weird to, to be, uh, talking to you and not be cutting up because, you know, we, you did Mondays with us for a while and we had a lot of fun. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Or you get married, you get all serious on us. Yeah, I know. Last time we spoke, if I remember correctly, I did the robotics show on Dotted Rocks was in 2007. Yeah, I think we were all halfway into a bottle of bourbon or something. 
at the time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's a big contrast from the Sarah Connor story from like episode 12 of DNR. Yeah, that was funny. All right, man. Well, you keep up the good work, and we'll see you around the conference circuit. All right. Thank you very much, guys. It was great to have you on the show. Thanks again, Nick. Great show, by the way. I love the idea. Thank you. And we'll see you next time on The Tablet Show. It's not too much.